0: Hey there, welcome to The Bridge. This podcast is brought to you by the SOI Foundation. We're known as the organization that takes youth from around the world on life changing expeditions to the polar regions and places in between. But expeditions are only the tip of the iceberg, pun intended. The great thing about our programming, whether we're at the poles or online or even on this podcast, is that we bring people together youth, elders, artists, educators, and industry leaders to learn from one another and have great conversations. In today's podcast, you'll hear from SOI alumni, Kevin Kuo, interviewing Youth Climate Labs' Kate Herchuk about Arctic policy. Kate breaks down what even is Arctic policy and how youth, especially Indigenous youth from the Arctic, can make their voices heard and begin influencing policy that matters to them. I'll let Kevin take it from here.
1: Welcome to the SOI Bridge podcast. My name is Kevin Huo. Uh, I was one of the 2015 SOI alumni, so I was part of that Arctic expedition. Uh, In this episode of SOI Bridge, we'll be delving into the international Arctic policy world with policy specialist, uh, Caitlin Herchak. Kate will be answering questions about what does policy look like? How can I implement policy to better my community and how can I get involved in the policy world. So, Kate, take us away. Can you introduce yourself to all our listeners?
2: Of course. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Kate Herchak. I'm Enoch on my father's side from Kujuaq, Quebec and Rankin Inlet, Nunavut. I am an Adams. Uh, Willie Adams Sr. is my great uncle and Eva Adams-Klassen is my late grandmother and I am Celtic and Viking on my mother's side from North Ireland and I've been born and raised on the Quangin territory, so way the heck in Victoria, B.C. Uh, I'm a master's student at the University of Victoria doing my Master's of Geography. Um, I am the manager of Indigenous Governance and Decolonial Practices and Policy at VIDEA. I'm the climate specialist at uh, Youth Climate Lab, and I'm also the interim chair for the Canadian Commission for UNESCO's Youth Advisory.
1: Amazing, Kate. That's uh, quite a long list of amazing accolades, and that's why we're talking to you today, I think. Um, And I think I briefly forgot to mention that I'm calling today from uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, the ancestral lands of the Dana people of the Lower Tana River. Um, So Fairbanks, Alaska. So, Kate, both you and I are very much West Coast. And uh, to all the SOI Bridge podcast listeners... West Coast represent. Uh, here we are Heck today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah.
1: And then uh, maybe East Coast folks, next time we'll get you on the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's jump into it, Kate. Um, so, you know, we're talking a little bit about policy. So how did you get into policy work?
2: That's an excellent question. Um, I fell into it kind of by accident. I used to compete in beauty pageants and I was Miss Vancouver Island 2015 and Miss National Coastal British Columbia 2019. And then with my platforms, I was talking about Indigenous education and the importance of proper representation within academia. Because everywhere I went, I felt like my people's stories, histories, and experiences weren't reflected in academia. And I just kept talking about it. eventually folks were like, you should be in rooms with these people and talk about it. You should talk about it over here and share your ideas and your perspective and your lived experience. So a lot of how I got into policy was through storytelling. And always coming at it framed as, this is great, but how can we make it better? And that's what I love about policy is like, it's so... Sometimes it's very inflexible, but sometimes it can be very malleable, right? And if we keep telling our stories, eventually it makes it into policy. And that's something that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. You mentioned the the storytelling aspect and essentially what we're doing here today. Um, But, you know, speaking of like kind of what you enjoy with regards to maybe storytelling, maybe you can elaborate more on this, but uh, Mm -hmm. what do you enjoy about working in policy? Or maybe what do you find most rewarding about working in policy?
2: everybody has a relationship with policy, regardless if you think you do or not. So I always, when I work with youth, I'm like, do you drive a car? And they're like, well, yeah, and I'm like, policy. You know, you go to school, so much policy. You deal with the healthcare system, there's so much policy. And so folks have relationships with it. And sometimes they're really good relationships, and sometimes they're really bad relationships. And so, what I find rewarding through policy is knowing that I can make something that will tangibly make a difference in somebody's life. And hopefully, it's for the better because I, I don't want to do things that hurt people, right? Because policy can't be harmful. And so, work from the place of like, how can we make this not harmful anymore or not even to begin with? And how will this affect people for a very long time?
1: Yeah, there's something I think interesting about policy too. If I, if I may add, Kate is mm-hmm. is you know the, the amount of people that you can impact by so little work sometimes, uh, which I know doesn't sound right, but you know it might just be adding a line in a committee meeting, right, um, or it might be attending a, a assembly meeting and, and saying, I want this, and it gets done, right? And it's just a small, minute little thing that can kick off a movement that's, that's so super cool. Um, so Students on Ice is, as you may know, from people who come from around the world, but we all always end up in the Arctic, uh, be it Arctic or Antarctica. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we always love to talk about, you know, how we can make our communities here in the Arctic better. So Mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about maybe what Arctic policy is to you um, and maybe to our listeners what they could be working on with you, maybe, Kate?
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. For sure. So my interaction with Arctic policy actually only started in 2019. Um, In 2019, I had the opportunity to go to COP25 as timely as this conversation is, because COP's happening right now. It was very exciting to me because uh, being born and raised in the South, having that disconnect from my own land and territory, but also feeling that need to be close to it or advocate for it or just just love it, even though it's from afar. At COP, I I attended the indigenous caucus right and there's people from all over the world and Amazonians the Peruvians folks from Alaska Siberia and I was just like oh my gosh right to like wow like what is it so beautiful to see so many indigenous people in a room right (coughs) and uh I got to meet Dr. Daly and she is just like super incredible and uh I asked if I could sit with her and she said, oh, yeah, of course. And then she goes, oh, I know your grandpa. I know your grandma. You know, the circumpolar region is you know, <laughs> tiny. And uh, it was funny because I sat with her and we both had uh, black, earl gray tea and three chocolate chip cookies. And I was like, yes, I am in deep down a very, very old Enoch woman. That is me. <laughs> I'm hopefully looking at my future. And just uh, being able to sit with her and listen to what she advocates for and how she advocates for Arctic participation and policymaking was just like absolutely astounding to me. I think it's really fascinating um, the positionality of the Arctic uh, in the sense when it comes to like sovereignty over other countries, um, resource extraction, protection, conservation, uh, economic development. Like the Arctic is so multifaceted right and uh absolutely fascinating and it's just it's not like anywhere else in the world right as all of you lovely soI folks right have seen things that I haven't seen yet and I think that's so cool I think when we're advocating for our communities through I think it should be done through storytelling right of um your relationship to each other your relationship to the land your relationship to what policies are currently in place that aren't working anymore it's okay for policies not to work anymore that means we just outgrew them right so since we're going through these growing pains of policy this is really exciting because it means it's time for new growth and what can that look like in our communities will be very very different than what it looks like in the south or in other regions of the world um and also since we're so uniquely situated you know being literally the top of like then we can be role models of like this is what this worked in the arctic if this can work there it can almost work anywhere right Because that means it's friggin tough and really really inspiring
1: yeah w- well said kate i i do think you you know that's i've heard this and i think when i went on my arctic expedition i think many of the SOI folks can agree is the arctic connects the rest of the world together um just as, as the vice versa. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the chocolate chip and Earl gray, that connection too, as well. I mean, it's very small things, you know, um, we are people, we live in this place that's can be cold and extreme and tough at times. And yet we all band together and do similar things in lives. Right. You know, we, we go out and shovel snow, um, as winter comes. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we enjoy the, the land that is provided for us and beauty of of all of it. And I agree, you know, I think, you know, maybe to share a little bit about Mm -hmm. my side is so in 2015, I went to the Arctic, I was originally from California. So, a, a non Arctic, you know, kiddo back in the day, but, um, here I am in Alaska now, you know, um, it's, it's been, it's been quite a journey for me. I'm, a almost full Alaskan, I think in many ways, and almost full Arctic <laughs> goer. Um, I think I know how to walk on ice and snow now fully. So I think I'm close enough to it. Uh, I like skiing and all the outdoor activities too. So, you know, something about that, but, um, and then how do we, how do I now an example, you know, Fight and and, and understand and and try to comprehend these issues that we're facing in the Arctic. And how can we as, you know, as personally as anthropologists and political scientists deal with these issues um, formally. Right. So um, anyways, that's a little tidbit about myself and Mm -hmm. that connection, you know. One thing maybe that we can talk a little bit about, Kate, is so we've spoken about Arctic policy and kind of the broad spectrum of it. But maybe we could share with some of our listeners what specific policies there might be that maybe you're working on um, currently uh, or maybe things that we could all be working on.
2: For sure. Uh, Currently, I'm working on a policy paper um, in relationship with other organizations speaking to how it's a little bit broad but speaking to how indigenous youth in a broader context are the ones predominantly doing the land defense work and water defense work and viewing that as actual work. You know what I mean? Like instead of uh, criminalizing indigenous people for defending their territories, that's actually asserting rights. That's not criminalization. And uh, I think on the, within everyday folks um, being aware of the policy and uh also like how do we make policy that is inclusive um we also we always have this top-down approach which is just colonialism right so how do we decolonize our our policy processes it's it's bottom up easy peasy lemon squeezy in theory right but it actually makes folks really uncomfortable and why does it make folks uncomfortable it's because it challenges their position of power and so if we're going to move forward and properly advocating for the protection of our land territories and resources, uh, it needs to be created by a community first. And um, I think a really exciting conversation I've been having with uh, like my roommates and other folks in my circles is I think there's really interesting um, directions that we could go in. And what keeps playing in my head is when it comes to language. And how do we get indigenous languages into the ways that we create policy, right? Because our language is from the land. It's our relationship to the land. It comes from the land. There's like words that are miles long that describe you know, what type of ice you're gonna be on. What, what's the water like that day? And I think that's what we're, we're missing in that policy making piece, we're missing the language. Uh, but also it comes with lots of other questions. How do you do that ethically? How do you make sure you avoid, you know, um, cultural appropriation or exploitation? Um, when I, I can't answer those questions yet, but I feel like this is a very integral piece that we're missing within policies, the relational piece between what's actually what we're doing, how it affects the land and what we're actually writing about. I think everybody can make policy. Anybody can do it. Right. We've seen, we've seen all the leaders in the world, right? We're like, you know what? I could do what you do. And I know it's hard for a lot of young people because we, we do walk with that imposter syndrome. We are told that we're too young to be in these places, um, or we don't know what we're talking about, but that's just not true. Um, we belong to be there even by being in the room you're forcing people to think differently to look the problem differently to even speak differently because even your present shakes them a little bit and that's okay it's okay to shake people uh, within like respectfully white, of course but um, it's okay to make folks question why they do the things that they do um, especially if it's for the betterment of others
1: yeah uh, that's uh, Wow. hundred percent. I, you also just answered the the next question that I was also going to ask you about is (laughs) essentially why, why folks are intimidated with, you know, getting involved with policy, you know, and it's, it can be very tough. And, you know, you're, you're speaking to, you know, high powered officials who have the ability to change your life and your community. Um, how do you, you know, give them the elevator pitch that stands for everything that you're fighting for? Mm Um, Those are tough, tough tasks and and roles to take on, right? Um, Maybe, I I don't know, this is kind of a tangent then. Do you have any tips to kind of getting over that intimidation? Um, Maybe personally, what do you do to Mm -hmm. kind of get involved um, with policy? As you just said, it's so easy. Um, Yeah.
2: (laughs) For sure. I think um, it's funny that you say it can be intimidating because uh, I just did the SOI nature retreat with the CAC, right and uh one of the coordinators like policy intimidates me and I was like it doesn't have to right and I'm like policy should be empowering um if you are taking part in creating a policy that should empower you um and I know for myself like uh I still very much think like I'm a child, uh, even though I'm 26 years old and, uh, I'm like literally only 4'11", like I'm a very small little, Enoch, you know, uh, just trying to get in there. And, uh, <clears throat> I, it took a lot of, uh, going into the washroom, closing the bathroom stall and like taking three breaths and being like, no, I belong to be here. I belong to be here. And if I'm here, that means others can be here too um I've also been to UNESCO's youth forum I was the first indigenous youth to represent Canada in this forum in 2019 again and that was a that was a tough experience because there's heads of states and all these fancy dancy people and at the same time too being like no I can be here because they're here and then they used to be like me too and just trying to like remind myself of that and taking deep breaths and also recognizing is actually my ancestral right. It is my ancestral right to be in this room making decisions. And uh, I think that the more we tell other indigenous youth that too, like, no, this is what the ancestors gave you is a voice and you are to use it uh, for your community, for yourself. Um, for the land, for the water, and for the four-legged. Like, this is what your responsibility is. Um, might make it a little bit more inviting, but also with those folks who are policymakers and the fancy-dancy people in the power suits of then stopping them and telling them and inviting them with you to walk this journey, right? I think it's a very important as well of being like, I want to be in relationship with you because I think you and I can make really good work together. Let's do it together, it's also, it's like, you're not doing it alone. <laughs> and also you're having that piece with another person to support them and looking at things differently as well.
1: Yeah, that's that's an extremely important reminder, I think, to to all students on ice as well and to people from across the Arctic and around the world. Um, to the to everyone, you know, and and you know, SOI is, is a great platform as well for the number of people that you've met and that you will meet and um you know have connections with wonderful people like Kate, who are here, you know, and you know, Kate is a little busy with the masters right now, but you know, reach out to Kate, you know, talk to Kate, you know, she has experience and thoughts that that can propel you to to work on policy to better your communities in many mm-hmm. ways. Right. Um, yeah. So earlier you mentioned the the climate action cohort that mm-hmm. SOI held um, at the retreat, I believe. And I think you held a session at one of these um retreats uh, and you, you have facilitated kind of a climate policy discussion. Um, could you maybe walk us through what that was like and um, maybe a recap to, to all of our students on ice, uh, you know, Bridge podcast listeners.
2: Absolutely. I had a great time. Such outstanding youth. Uh, so I am a Lucy goosey as a facilitator. Uh, I've worked with youth since I was like 18 um. So I really just listened for the vibe, you know? And um, one day it was just absolutely pouring rain and it was just like so beautiful though. But I was like, but we're going to go do a land activity. And uh, it's one of my favorite activities to do is that you just go into nature and uh, you make a picture of what inspires you most about nature from nature. So then you can take like, a bunch of rocks and you create a tree. Right. And then everybody stood in a circle and was discussing of like why they picked what they picked, um, and what spoke to them and how they have never looked at land like art before. And I was like, "Is not fun. I stole it from a curriculum when I was used to be like a preschool teacher. Um, and it just, it never misses between the ages of four to like 35. It's always going to be a hit. Um, And then we went on walks uh, because the last couple of days were very nice and sunny. And I got folks to, you know, walk with somebody you haven't really talked with yet and talk about why policy is boring. Why do you feel it's uh, inaccessible? Why do you think it works? Why do you think it doesn't work? Um, Where have you seen policy that you go, that's really great. Or have you seen like that actually really sucks? And we've had these discussions of, you know, just building people up so they can be ready to enter those spaces, which I think is very foundational and, uh, something that I wish I had, you know, somebody to mentor me and support me in my earlier stages, because as I got more, when I got older, I had more folks in the corner cheering me on in the professional space. I've always had my family being like, you can do anything and and trying to explain to my parents what I do for a living. I don't even try anymore. My parents make up jobs. And I go, sure, I do that. And, <laughs> um, you know, being like, oh, again, I can, I belong to be here. I can make this policy. And then, of course, like taking it on to a step further of with their community projects. So being like, what policies um, would affect your project? Um, and then also linking it into of like, what calls to the action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission? Can you include in your project? You know, so we're also being in that relational piece within the territories that we're operating on and in the relationships with the indigenous people, what areas that you're living in. Um, And uh, pretty soon at the end of this month, we'll be getting ready for our couple other sessions that I'll have with them too, discussing more policy and with folks from the ECCC as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing that, that I think you just walked us through kind of the session and and you know what the, the the process of of going through you know reflection and understanding calls to action moving towards policy in many ways um, a little reflection on my end mm-hmm. if, if that's all right um, so I uh, students on ice has always been a part of I think once you're a part of this community you are in
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so I, I got a chance to to go with uh, alumni team to the Arctic Futures 2050 conference in DC, uh, in 2019. Um, so worked with, uh, Rachel Bohr, Linda, mm-hmm. and, and all the wonderful people, um, that you probably know. Yep. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had a whole team of folks from across students on ice years, um, that, and, uh, you know, walking into DC was a very daunting experience, right? Like we've spoken about it in this this podcast today about Mm -hmm. how intimidating it can be to see, you know, have, you know, an example, the Smithsonian Mm -hmm. director sitting to your left and then, uh, you know, indigenous elder sitting to your right and you're in between, right. And how do you bring them together to Mm -hmm. talk to you, right. And have a meaningful conversation that goes somewhere that leads to policy that leads to, you know, a movement, a a momentum, right. Driver. Um, so, you know, how do you bring that together and, 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 know, maybe attending one of Kate's sessions is is one of the ways to better kind of reorganize your thinking. Um, And that's something that I struggled with uh, throughout the whole conference and how to stay fully turned on you know, for a whole entire week and you have to do this constantly, right? How do you pitch students on ice to somebody um, who personally just wants to go on an expedition, but telling that it's more than that. It's, it's, it's learning about the places, the people, seeing the places, examining cultures and identities, right? Um, I can go on and on, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I thought about it too. So, but. uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Definitely. And then also like letting folks, supporting folks, understanding that um, people in community already know how to solve their problems, right? And so <laughs> how do we integrate like that approach of like, community already knows how to take care of community. It's always been that way. And so this influx of, you know, colonization that it's been harder for that to be seen. And um, what can you know indigenous and non-indigenous people work together to bring back that approach that community knows how to take care of community and i think during that time that i was with the the youth from the climate cohorts like they were just so fun and it was definitely like a reminder for me to like why i keep doing what i do and also like uh if folks like that are around like we're gonna
0: be okay
1: Yeah. Everything's going to be all right. Um, last question. I I already brought this up earlier, but uh, I think it's a great way to kind of wrap up our our, our podcast here today. Um, but, uh, you know, what advice do you have for for folks or youth looking to get into policy work? Um, connect the dots for us, Kate.
2: (laughs) Well, I have great news. You don't have to compete in beauty pageants. Uh, (laughs) there's so many other ways you can get involved in policy. Um, I would definitely like, um, hone in on a, a theme or cause that is very, very close to your heart and do your best to look through other organizations or like literally just other youth in your community that feel the same way that you do. Um, and don't stop talking about it until somebody listens and, uh, advocacy and policy go hand in hand and you know also recognizing that like rest is a part of advocacy and policy making it's okay to rest in between and also to like listen to your body when you're doing this work because it can be very very tiring and so rest we need to rest eat we need to eat drink water when need to drink water and uh, also joy is a very big part of policy as well um If it's not bringing you joy, it's okay. You don't have to do it anymore. It's okay to pass on your work to somebody else. It will get done and it will be done in a good way. And, uh, policy is for everybody.
1: That's, that's, that's a wrap. That's perfect. Um, it is for everybody. And I totally agree. Okay. Any final words for us, um, beyond that? Um, if not, we want to thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. Um, and, and, you know, your, your willingness to join us today. Um, SOI is always so happy and glad to, to connect people like this, but I'll give you the platform real quick.
2: For sure. No, thank you for having me. And like, it was such a privilege. Cause also like that was, uh, a little bit of a healing time for me too, being, uh, with you folks, because Linda actually knows my whole entire family and, um, she got to tell me stories of my grandma because my grandma passed away and I was very young and she knew my grandma and she, Linda taught me a new throat singing song so I could teach my sister and so um, really recognizing like people do have a big impact on people um, in the spaces that you meet and uh, there's lessons everywhere, there's teachings everywhere and it's okay to ask questions and I'm going to be bothering Linda probably forever <laughs> and um, that people should be excited about the work that they do. And if you're not excited, it's okay to try something new.
1: Thank you so much, Kate. Thank this you. is Students on Ice Bridge. Uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, look forward to some more podcasts.
0: A huge thank you to Kevin and Kate for joining us on the SOI Bridge podcast today. If you wanna find more of Kevin, follow him on Instagram at kevh123456. And Kate actually started her own podcast. You can hear more of her by listening to Spilling Labrador Tea Under Cedar Trees. Kate will also be returning to support and lead SOI's climate policy cohort that's beginning in this December. Find out more about our cohort and what SOI has been up to by checking out soifoundation.org. Until then, see you next time on The Bridge.